Hey, it's Bill Simmons from The Ringer, and this is a podcast called The Rewatchables. We have been doing it really since 2017. It started with how much we love the movie Heat. We decided to structure a whole podcast with categories, most rewatchable scene, who won the movie, Apex Mountain, what age the best. But here's the thing. If you want the full archive, you can hear them only on Spotify for free, by the way. So make sure to follow The Rewatchables on Spotify. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, like party boy Jack Graylish, probably without a shirt, maybe without pants, definitely Heineken in hand. We are back. This is the Ringer Soccer Gambling Show. I'm Steve Shrewis, always run by the great Paul Carr, True Media. Paul, uh, I, I feel like we kind of nailed our predictions of how that Champions League yeah. final was going to go. It went well for one of us in our bets, Paul. I got I, you just a, t- a tough outing for you. I don't think <laughs> any, you, you weren't really off base on really anything. I know. Uh, just the, the cars didn't fold your way, I guess, this time. It's one of those where I was like, yep, I nailed exactly how this game's going to go, and I missed all my bets. <laughs> yep, good time. But, you know, if uh, Martinez <laughs> scores on the one chance, you know, we had in on the keeper by himself, I win all of them. You win so, all of them? You know, yep. It's that uh, close. Uh, but, yeah, that's tough, though. You handicap it right. You choose the wrong wagers for it. But, yeah, Inter kept it close. That's kind of what we thought they would do. City, I don't know if they tightened up or just... I, I really think it's just kind of Inter's really well-drilled and good defensively. Uh, losing De Bruyne hurt, obviously, for City. Losing that extra spark of creativity. But uh, it wasn't the best final, but at least it was close. So so there was tension. You know? That was it. It was kind of... Yeah. It was the tension. Like, we at least had an right. interesting game. You know, I think a lot of people... I, I think I tweeted out like a score prediction at the beginning, and I said 2-1... City and people are like five nil, four nil. I'm like, it's not. We just, I, you and I were just. I just, you had. I mean, you mentioned it. I don't know if you took it on your own, but you mentioned the under, the under two and a half, which was basically a lock after the first like thirty minutes. It felt because I mean, C- yep. City just didn't look great. You, yeah, you could argue Inter were the better team in the first half, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, 
I kind of thought once Kevin DeBron, he was Kevin DeBron was so bad and probably because he was hurt that I almost thought like they couldn't get any worse. Like it'd be better if just Foden came on, even though he's a lesser player, obviously, uh, historically. But um, yeah, man, sometimes it sometimes it goes your way. Sometimes it doesn't. But we'll get to a little bit more because now there's all these big conversations about is this the best team ever? Is Pep the best coach ever? What's Pep's future? It's all the stuff that we yeah. love to do because we just love, we, we we can't get out of the own moment. We can't really look beyond, you know, beyond like what is right in front of us typically when these things happen. Um, you know, one of Priscilla's like favorite lines, which is so true, is like after every champion is crowned, it's like, is this going to be a dynasty? Or is this the best team ever? Is so-and-so <laughs> the best player ever? And it's it's just because yep. we just love doing that stuff. So we'll do that yeah. in a little bit. Um, but we got kind of a unique show too today, Paul. We also have some Mbappe news. We'll get to that in just a second. But we're going to have our first guest ever in the history of the Ringer Soccer Show podcast um, in what, basically about a year of us doing this. Mm-hmm. It is the one, the only Taylor Twelman, a guy that you and I go, you know, kind of way back with to our ESPN days. So excited yeah. to talk to him. We'll do little bit of the messy stuff from last week and we'll do a little bit of uh, kind of you know the future of the u.s men's national team nations league coming up so we'll do that in a second but as i just teased let's get into it let's do all the the good first take questions here okay. which one do we want to start with do we want to start uh, with is is city the best team of all time <laughs> yeah i want to start there so I've, i have a few thoughts on this uh, let, me, let me start with the big picture legacy i think okay. because i'm going to stick with the premier league era so, you know roughly the last 30 years in england i think there's two teams that are the most memorable and you, you correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's the Invincibles from Arsenal yep. in 2004. And I think it's the Manchester United team that won the treble in 98-99. Those are your most... I'm not saying they're the best. I'm just saying those have the most legacy. They get brought up all the time. Yep. Uh, City joins that group. You know, they're, they're one of the three because they won the treble. Uh, they finally won Champions League. Uh, they've just done something they've been longing for. They've got great narrative with Pep winning it with another team. Holland scoring 700 goals this season. It's just a great story they're going to go into that upper tier legacy wise now this i think the second cut to me you know are they the best team ever i don't know there's a pretty good case city was better last season i would totally just agree. from a like i'll just give you the raw numbers in the premier league the goal difference was 12 better last season they scored five more they allowed seven fewer the expected goal difference was about almost 25 goals better last season meaning as good as they were they probably still got unlucky in a lot of ways uh so i as far as they're the best, I don't know. I mean, I really think there's probably, a, you could almost draw city teams out of a hat from the last decade or so. But I think it's kind of safe to say on the field, they really necessarily weren't the best. But the bounces went their way. They won the games they had to win to lift all the trophies. And they're going to have the biggest legacy, even if they aren't the best. That's kind of where I land on it. Yeah, like the, the teams that win trophies year in, year out, you know, sure, they they bring home the hardware and they're like historically looked at as all right, this is the best team. But that doesn't always yeah. that's not always how it shakes out. I mean, like look in the NBA, like a couple years ago, the Raptors won a title. They weren't the best team in the league that year. I mean, the right. things just kind of broke their way. And specifically, I mean, I think when you talk about the the Champions League versus, you know, not even necessarily like the League Cup stuff, but the Premier League in general, like City's so deep that like they're mm-hmm. just going to kind of just have an advantage every year, year in, year out, because they've got the depth that other teams don't really have. Um, yep. If you're and then so the, the question kind of becomes like, all right, they check off all the boxes, you know, with all the with all the trophies. But if you just go like, what's your best 11? You're right. I don't think this is the best city team of all time. You're going to sit here and tell me that a team with Manuel, no, no disrespect to these guys, but like Akanji and Nathan Ake are are the best team ever. Like, I, right. I, that's just insane to me. That's that, that's right. and again, those guys played great. They were incredible pieces to. I think it says a lot about Pep and he, because, you know, we talk about all the money mm-hmm. that they spend. They've certainly spent a lot of money, but Pep does really mold players into what he needs for the team. And that's, that's just the part of his greatness. 
So if you want to have the conversation about, you know, Pep, I mean, we might in just a second about Pep being the greatest manager of all time. All right. Like that's, that's a, that's a feather in his cap, right? Like he's done it with guys that aren't incredible, you know, world-class names, I guess you would say. They had a great team. Don't get me wrong. I mean, De Bruyne, Holland, I mean, they've got plenty of world-class players, but you know, part of this Champions League run, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. You know, they sometimes mm-hmm. it's like last year, they, they, they had a couple of years in a row where they just had like stunning, uh, you know, shocking outs where they just lose to a team they shouldn't lose to or they give up a couple goals like last year to Real Madrid. Real Madrid. It just, I, I, mm-hmm. you know, so, so I, I will just say definitively, I don't think this is the best man's... I, okay, I, I'd entertain you. I, I don't think it's the best Man City team of all time. If you want to say the accolades yeah. are the accolades, then I'm not going to argue with you. But just man right. for man, I don't think it is. And I certainly don't think it's the best. I mean, the 9 Barcelona team, like, yeah. you just go, per, you just go yeah. 11 by 11. I mean, Eto. Obviously, Messi. I mean, the midfield of of Busquets, Javi, Iniesta. You know, Puyol. Uh, there's just PK. there's a le- mm-hmm. PK. There's prime PK. Yeah, there's just like legendary names in there. Where I just I don't know that this city team can go toe to toe, man for man, yeah. like they can with even the Real Madrid team that won three straight Champions League titles. They didn't win any trebles. I, I believe no, nope. they didn't win any trebles. Nope. But I think just man for man, those teams were better. Cruz, Casemiro, Modric. I mean, you've got a couple ball and obviously Ronaldo, Bale, Benzema. You've got multiple ball and door winners in there. I, I just yeah. I don't see it. I, congrats to City. I'm, I mean, I don't want to say yeah. happy for him, but like they completely deserve it in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But no, they're not the best team of all time. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, and City does deserve a ton of credit. They're de- not the best eleven. There might be a bet stronger case of the best like one through twenty. Yeah, something oh, yeah. like that. And that's where I think City deserves a lot of credit for putting this team together. And obviously, you have a, you know infinite money that helps and that covers up things. But there's enough guys that they developed either you know out of their system or you know they buy low and develop them in. You know, John Stones is playing midfield, and I know you know they spent money to get him, but they still had to turn him into whatever he was doing in this game as an eight or something. It took him a few years to figure uh, that out. Too. So I mean, they, they, I remember watching the Everton. Right. Like, this guy can't defend, so you could fifty million euros. I know. Go ahead yeah. and take him. You know. Exactly. So, yeah, credit for that because we've seen, I mean, look at PSG, look at Barcelona in the last few years. They have lots of money also. Well, I guess Barcelona doesn't anymore. But anyway, PSG has all the money and haven't really come. They got to a Champions League final, but they haven't been at this level uh, you know, for a whole season. So there's plenty of ways to take all this money and not spend it well that we see examples of. So City does deserve a lot of credit for having that depth. You know, De Bruyne going out was not debilitating. Because they can plug in a Foden, which is you know, a pretty ridiculous wealth of talent to have, to plug someone like that in. And they just had the guys. They had plenty of guys. Yeah, not the best one through 11, probably, but maybe the best one through 20 or something like that. Yeah, like there are other years where they are probably more deserving <laughs> of the mm-hmm. Champions League. You know, the, I, and, and I shouldn't even say that because they, they did have like a pretty good gauntlet. I mean, obviously, the final people thought Inter were going to roll over. And, you know, you and I didn't think that was the case. But Inter's not the strongest team, certainly, that they played in any of their their runs here. But they go through, you know, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. Like they had they had this. was There was a, a worthy run for them. And I'm yep. not going to take anything away from that. But okay. you, know, you could argue that, again, they, they could have won it in other years. It was probably bound to happen at some point. I think all the Premier right. League fans and especially the Man United fans and all the rivals of them were like they just like the banter of being able to say that they had never won it. Now you can't mm-hmm. say that anymore, and I think that's kind of fun in some ways. Uh, kind of, kind of isn't fun in other ways because you know I, I do love the good, a good, a good banter situation. But, um, but yeah, yeah. it's it, it's just kind of a crapshoot, man. I don't know. Like, congrats to them. Every but... team they fall into this bucket when you get in these knockout tournaments. Was this Argentina team that won the World Cup no. the best Argentina team of nope. the last 10, 20 years? Almost certainly not. Uh, was the Germany in twenty fourteen team the best? Probably not. You know, you can just point to any of them and. The best team doesn't always win when it comes to knockout tournaments, but 
City has sustained this excellence for a decade. You're going to win one of these eventually, you would think. And this was the year. They got it all done. Uh, they didn't, you know, they, they scuffled a little bit early in the Premier League season. But I'm mean, the last month or two, they were, the last month or two, they were about I'm as in. good as anybody can be. Uh, yeah. And so they deserve plenty of credit for that. Because this team will go into that pantheon of great teams just with the way they are remembered with their legacy. Yeah. And then so to, to transition this to another, I guess, GOAT discussion, you know, the Pep Guardiola is he the greatest manager of all time. I think you've probably already made up your mind on that before this. You know, he, right. he's won, you know, he's won with Barcelona. Um, it was just always, can he win here? But then the excuses come out of like, oh, well, he's, done, he's got unlimited money. So, you know, does it really count? There's, there's yeah. always just an excuse for why somebody's not great at something. Like we do this with pretty much everybody. But I will say like, you know, yep. I think that I will, maybe I'm being a hater, Paul. I think there is something to say, and this isn't just because Jose Mourinho coaches Roma, although it may be a little bit biased, but there <laughs> is something to say of like, winning a Champions League with Porto is absolutely insane. You know, even mm-hmm. winning a Conference League with a bad Roma team, like, I I, I think there is something like that, Pat, I, I don't know that he wants to prove it, he doesn't have to prove it to me or anything, but I do think that is a feather in Jose's cap. Um, yeah. You know, Carlo Ancelotti going and managing Everton is, is unbelievable. He didn't really win anything there, but still, <laughs> um, I, I do like, you know, there is an argument like Pep coaches the best players in the world. He does. And his goal is to win the biggest prizes. And he b- typically has everywhere he's gone. Uh, so if you have a team like that, sure, he's probably the best manager for that situation. But if you give him just like, you know, an above average or average team, is he going to dominate with those guys the way he does? Like, I don't know. We haven't seen it. So like, it's hard for me to say he's the best manager of all time. I respect the hell out of him. I would love to see him become the U.S. men's. We'll ask Taylor Twelman this in a little bit <laughs> to take over the, the U.S. men's national team, even though I don't think it would be the best fit in the world. But I do think that is a conversation. Uh, but I'm not really well, really ready to say that yet either. Yeah. No, I, I think this Champions League win for Pep, it just, it. I don't think he's a better manager because he won this. Exactly. Yeah, it handles of things, but it just gives him the credentials. Like, all right, we can firmly put you in the discussion. There's really nothing to argue against, except the you've only done it with good teams, sort of thing. And I mean, coaches have that in every profession. Phil Jackson, you know, got that. Oh, you just coached Jordan and, yep. and Pippen and Kobe and Shaq, and I mean, weren't any good the other couple of years with the Knicks and stuff. I mean. You can't argue that, but it's, it's a really interesting idea. Yeah, send Pep down to Everton or Villa or whatever you know mid-table type of team that you want and see what happens. But, I mean, this just cements his spot. And, yeah, I mean, if you want to say he's the best, sure. I, I, he's, he's one of the candidates. He's one of, you know, pick your five, seven, whatever uh, top managers. And he's really kind of unassailable. It's just kind of what's your definition of greatness? How do you want to choose to define it? So, all right, so we've decided... Maybe not the best team of all time. TBD and the best manager of all time. He's yeah, in, he's in the running, uh, which I think are all fair takes. Now mm-hmm. there's the actual stuff that we can talk about, which I think is real, which is sort of his future and the future of the city team. I think one, we'll start with his future. His contract's up in 2025. There's been rumors about him leaving. I mean, there was certainly like obviously the, the investigation with UEFA and whether or not, you know, he was, yeah. he basically said he was going to leave if, if he was lied to by the, by the club. Um, that's TBD. But it, it does seem like, I don't know, do you, do you feel like that this city thing is, I almost feel like there's a way to, to, to talk myself into this being the beginning of the end of this era, actually. Um, one, obviously, because of Guardiola's contract. But two, I mean, if you look at the squad, you know, Kyle Walker, 33, De Bruyne, 31, injuries have kind of accumulated. Mares is 32. Gundogan is rumored to be leaving. Uh, Bernardo Silva rumored to be leaving. They have no fullbacks basically at this point. I know they didn't really <laughs> play with fullbacks, but I don't. I don't know that you're going to play the four center backs, you know, and the John Stones midfield thing for an entire like 60 game schedule next year. I think yeah. you need some fullbacks. 
I, I, I do think there are some, some cracks in this team. Now, obviously, they can just go out the summer and just buy a bunch of guys, and then I'll look like an idiot, and they'll be fine. But I, it does kind of feel like this is, like, all right, we accomplished this, and what's the next thing? And it does feel like this might be the beginning of sort of a transition period for them. I, I'm interested. Maybe I'm just projecting. I don't know. But I do kind of feel like that might be the case. No, and there's no obvious place they go from here. You know, you reach the top of the mountain, then what do you do? Uh, the natural the financial, yeah. The financial fair play stuff. Who knows? I, you know, that could get swept under the rug when you're here from again. There could be serious sanctions. I'm sure I would expect something in between, but we just have no idea what that will do to city, to players, to Pep. There's, there's so many X factors from this that it does just feel like it can't get any better from city for city and that they, there's, yeah, there's no obvious next step. Like, are they going to be super motivated to go defend this title again in Champions League? Maybe. They could be better next year, though, and not, you know, not get all the quarterfinals or whatever if you just get a weird draw and weird bounces. So I, I don't know where they go from here. Just so many question marks. You mentioned the signings. Again, what do they do? Are, do? Do all these allegations tamp down what they might try to spend and show off and not, they don't go spend two, 300 million euro to bring in, you know, what, fill in fullbacks or whatever they want? Maybe. I just think there's a lot of question marks for a team that's at the very summit. So in some ways, like the behind the scenes guys, I'm sure they're not enjoying it all that long in some ways. You know, it's great that you got it. And now you got to figure out how do you do it again slash next. And I don't know the answer to that. It's just a natural, it's a human nature thing. But, you know, you said you reached the top and you just kind of relax a little bit. I mean, they're still heavy, heavy favorites. I mean, I actually sent you the updated uh, Premier League, you know, 2023, yeah. 24 um, futures. They're still, what, minus 170, I think. The interesting thing was right. that we had talked about Newcastle being number two. At, I think they were plus 850. Now they're all the way they down were. to plus 1,400. So they're yeah. now the fifth favorite. So that some maybe they heard our podcast, Paul, and they're like, "Wait, this is actually dumb. Why should Newcastle <laughs> be the second favorite? Uh, Arsenal, yeah, Liverpool, like, and they, United have all moved up. Were, were they assuming Newcastle's going to, you know, unload a dump truck of money and buy? And maybe that think that's less likely now. I don't know. It's it's funny to see the odds shift that much in two weeks for no obvious reason. It's not like Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United went out and signed anybody, or Newcastle lost out on anybody they were expected to get. Uh, yeah, interesting to see the the numbers shift. That's the thing about like City's the huge favorite because you know who of those next four or five teams is definitively going to take a step forward. I mean, Arsenal had about two thirds as good a season as they could possibly have, and you know ended up ultimately being not super close. Uh, Liverpool, United were different kinds of messes. Newcastle was good, but also Newcastle and making that next step up is a pretty huge one. So yeah, there's no obvious challenger. But it feels like City is almost just the favorite by default at this point, and which. I think is fair. So I really want to say, look, one of these other teams is primed to take that jump and beat them. It just doesn't doesn't seem obvious. City's kind of ripe for the taking, but there's no team super poised to take it from them right now. Yeah, like, you know, if you could short them, like, they're probably not going to win the Champions League back-to-back years. It's really freaking hard yeah. to do. We've only seen, oh, yeah. you know, a handful of times. Out, you know, that, that Real Madrid run was just unbelievable. Yep. Uh, but they also weren't winning trebles either. You know, that was kind of like what they were. They were built for the Champions League, whereas I think this team is a little bit more, they're built for to try to compete on every single front every year, which is really hard to do. And, yeah, I'm just, I mean, I'm really interested because now that they've been rumored to be in the in the running for, um what's his name, uh, the the Croatian center back, whose, whose name is now escaping me, who plays for Leipzig. Uh, yep. was it? Uh, the guy with the mask, uh, Gavardiol. Gavardiol. Yeah, who, you know, go. 
you pair him up with with Ruben Diaz, and you know that's the most expensive center back pairing I think in the Ooh. world. It's incredible, but they've also got like a million center backs. And I love Sorry, that's a couple. the last thing they need. Yeah, it's it's very strange. You know, like the, at some point, you know, it, who's the direct replacement? Who's your next replacement for if you lose Gundogan? Who's your replacement for De Bruyne if he starts not being able to play week in and week out? Who's your replacement for? You know, I mean, I guess Graylish and Mares, like that's kind of a thing. Graylish has sort of stepped into that spotlight and, and live up to maybe the price tag. You know, Bernardo Silva is a really hard player. He's a tricky little player. He's so good. I just, he's mm-hmm. a really hard player to 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 replicate. Um, is Holland going to have the same season he had this year, next year? Like he, a lot of things broke right for him. He's an incredible player, but you know, I think a lot of things went well for him. So these are all the questions that are going through our heads. I think we just we always just assume that oh, next year is going to be better and better and better, and it just. You know, I don't know. I'm just saying, but ease your expectations a little bit. I think this. Yeah. I think it's good that City got this because this might have been one of the last with this group chances they could have done it. Um, and now I'm I'm interested to see what their summer looks like. And frankly, they could be better next year and not win the trouble again. They, two yeah. knockout tournaments. Well, you I'm, I'm going to tell through. you right now, they're not going to win the trouble next year. I'll tell. Right, right. I'll yeah, go if, on the yeah, record. There's a no. I don't. I, I don't care what the no price is. I'm I'm taking the no right there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they could be better. You know. Holland could take a jump. They could find the right pieces and attack and find a full, you know, whatever it is. They could do that and, and not be as uh, good from a trophy standpoint, but be better on the field. It's just the, the nature of the beast as far as how everything rolls for you. So we'll see. Yep. All right. So congrats to City. You know, I, I, I almost felt like we were being a little too negative after they won the, I mean, congrats, you won the title and you won the treble. Right. You've done all the it's things an all-time you want to do. It's incredible. Right you are 100% an all-time team. All-time team, all-time coach. I'm not even, I, you know, I know a lot, a lot of fans are mad about them winning. I, I just wasn't, I don't really, the financial stuff, I don't know, man. Everybody spends a lot of money. I don't get too worked up in that. I just don't. It's a great team. They're fun to watch, and I'm happy for them. But I, I again, it's going to be a really, really interesting summer for them, and I'm excited to see it. Speaking yep. of really interesting summers, this came out today. We weren't really planning on talking <laughs> about anything else but this and to talk to Twelman, but we had news from our guy Fabrizio Romano who tweeted that Mbappe, one killing Mbappe, has informed PSG that he will not trigger the option in his contract to extend his stay in Paris through 2025, essentially meaning that he can be a free agent after after this next upcoming year. So next summer, he can be a free agent. Um, it's, you know, there's been all the rumors, and you know, obviously a couple years ago, it was like, is he going to go to, is he going to go to Real Madrid? It seemed, I, I still think he would have gone there if he hadn't, if they hadn't won the Champions League. I thought it was like kind of a weird thing where he maybe didn't want to join a champion already. Um, you know, mm-hmm. PSG seems to be clearing house. Their Messi's obviously gone. Neymar has been in all sorts of rumors from MLS to Saudi Arabia to Chelsea to Newcastle. Who knows? <laughs> um, I think even Juve is in there. Who knows? I don't know how that would work out. But it, it seems like they're sort of clearing the decks to make it Mbappe's team. And now he's like, hey, guys, I don't know if I'm so sure about my future here. Yeah. And the question is, where can he go? I mean, Real Madrid, obviously. Beyond that, I mean, who else is going to pay you know, whatever the number is, 150, 200 million something? I mean, obviously, Man City could. But it just doesn't seem like he's not a something guy. that he'll do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, where does he go? I mean, and if I'm Real Madrid, if they're smart enough, you know that he has nowhere else to go. You can kind of play poker and just let him tell PSG, yeah, 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 we'll give you this low ball number, but other than that, we're just going to sit here and wait for a year because they'd rather have that whatever two hundred million and be able to get a couple pieces that they need and then sign Mbappe next summer, then blow it all now and, you know, kind of lock up that budget for a couple of years. The only concern know. would be that they did do that a couple of years ago, though, and then because they thought they were going to... Remember, they lowballed them in the, what was it, in the winter transfer uh, uh-huh. window, and 
he they I think everybody thought he was going to go there as a free and he didn't right. he just didn't he signed I mean PSG gave him an offer he essentially could refuse and convince him to stay right. uh maybe that'll happen again do you take that chance again has Real budgeted the amount of money did they know this was going to happen they just apparently spent 100 million on on one Jude Bellingham which is yeah. you know no pretty no you know obviously they're, they're willing to spend but that's that's a lot of money to drop 100 million on two guys in one summer uh yeah. but you're right there's really because you know he's not going to. I don't think he's going to Bayern Munich. I don't think he's going to Italy. I can't see him playing in the Premier League. Really, if I was him, I wouldn't want to either. I think I think you know Spain just kind of suits him a little bit more, mm-hmm. just their style of play. So yeah, is he just like can he basically force his way there this summer by telling them, hey, like if you don't sell me now, I'm going to leave on a free, and he goes for like sixty mil, way less than what his actual price right. should be. Um, it doesn't seem like PSG is willing to let him walk on a free. So do they get scared? Who knows? But you're right. Like it's this kind of thing where there's only one team. And it's definitely going to make this summer transfer window a lot, in, a lot more interesting. Right. And no one else is going to buy him unless they can extend him. Mm-hmm. And that just, even if they get him cheaply, that's a whole, you know, his wages are going to be, you know, break the bank for most clubs. So I don't know. And Real Madrid is not, the last couple summers, you know, they haven't spent tons of money. They had two of many for like 80 million last year. And I think Kamavinga was the biggest one the year before that at like 35, 40 million, something like that. So they've been relatively conservative financially since they spent all that money on Hazard and you know $300 million on all those guys. Um, but some of that, those wages are going away. Uh, and I think there's an on-the-field question for Real Madrid. You have you know, great wingers in Vinny Jr. and Rodrigo. And Mbappe you know, would be an upgrade. Can you play all three together? Maybe you can find a way to do that. Um, or are you better going to sign out you know, whoever it is, Firmino, or Havertz, I don't know, somebody to fill that. The Havertz that rumor is so number nine. The Havertz yeah. rumor, I just like, I get it tactically. It's all like Rudiger, yeah. I get it tactically, but the numbers being thrown around, I mean, he's just, he's been so bad for Chelsea at striker. Right. You're going to, that's going to be your Benzema replacement. I, I agree with you. I don't think Mbappe, right. Vinny, and Rodrigo, they're all kind of similar players. Obviously, there's yeah. levels to their games. But, you know, when you're, when you have, I feel like those two guys, you sort of need a center forward, not really a striker. Right. And, right. you know, that's why I think the Harry Kane stuff is interesting. But do you, you, don't, you don't just turn down a chance to sign Mbappe, especially if he wants to go there. Right. So you kind of have to just make it work. And yep. uh, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's an interesting, it'll be, it'll be an interesting summer to see. I, the other thing, too, is I think from Mbappe's perspective, I kind of think he needs, for, for his, the, the, the image is sort of soured on him, I think. You know, it went from like he's this, this, this golden boy, the star boy, the generation, to now I think more people are like, is Holland better? And... There's just been like a lot of weird stories with him in the press and like what his control over PSG. Remember, he said it's not Killian uh, Saint Germain, it's Paris. Right. And, but like he is still probably, you know, a key decision maker there and, and has made it clear who he does and doesn't want to play with. I think there is an image thing where he, I just think people don't like rooting for PSG or him at PSG. And I think yeah, his life would fair. just be easier at Real Madrid. And honestly, winning titles there is probably easier for him anyway because they're just like a more storied club. Right. It's more interesting. It's a it's a funny spot to be in for him. I mean, we're six months removed from he had a spectacular World Cup and nearly won you know back to back titles, and now we're in a yeah, kind of a, a huge turning point for him because yeah I don't know if, if I'm him Real Madrid again it's the obvious choice. There's just a lot of hurdles to get there uh, from money to fit on the field to everything like that. So I'll be pretty fascinated. I, I'd love this kind of big game of chicken between Real Madrid and PSG to just keep going because I don't think PSG has another option. Like, who else are they going to sell them to? Mm-hmm. It's just, again, they got to sell them. They got to do the wages. It's just, there's nothing there. So I, I would love Real Madrid just say, eh, we're good. We'll get them next summer. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, we're not going to sell PSG your problem. just to <laughs> panic. There's going to be all kinds of 
strife behind the scenes stories coming out. It'll be great. Can't believe we hadn't had a we haven't had a Saudi Arabia rumor yet. You know, What's, we'll pay you Gosh. one billion a year to come play right. for you know whatever. Right. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> they should. I mean, just the way they're throwing money around anyway, you might as well go try and make noise at least yeah. about getting the best guy out there. Who make knows? Him, make him say no. Who knows? Make him say no. Yep. But yeah, interesting summer all around. Mbappe, City, you know, Premier League, you know, Newcastle, Arsenal, United, How much Chelsea are, gonna, are yeah. still spending a billion dollars on everybody, even though it's about a billion dollars in the winter. Uh, it's going to be a fun summer. We'll, Paul and I will kind of be here to break down, especially the American transfers, but uh, we'll be uh, we'll be there too for the summer for, for anything that goes down. So let's take a quick break. And we'll be back with our guy, Taylor Twoman. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, we've been doing this podcast for, I don't know, a year or so now. You know, some we started off as just doing a Champions League final pre, you know, betting preview. Then we started doing weekly pods with the great Paul Carr. This, though, is a maiden voyage for us here on the Ringer Soccer Family Show. We have never had a guest on, not one time. And Wait, what? Not one guest, never. And the voice that you are hearing was the perfect guy. We know this is kind of going to be our last regular episode of the club season, at least, until we get into a little bit in the summer. And we're like, you know, we have the perfect guy. We've got the news of, the, of Messi coming on MLS. We've got some U.S. national team stuff coming up. And we're like, we got to get this guy on. He's one of the nicest people you've ever met. He goes back, yeah. way back with Paul and I to the ESPN Day. Shout out to Bristol. He's the lead yeah. analyst for MLS season pass on Apple TV. He's arguably maybe the face of U.S. soccer, certainly in the media. Marilyn Terrapin, former intern to Scott Van Pelt and SportsCenter. It is the great <laughs> Taylor Twelman. Taylor, what's up, man? How we doing? No, first off, you never forget your first. Oftentimes, however, your first is awful and it's only uphill from there. So the good news is, guys, I'm laying the foundation and the floor very low for the next guest. We're good here. <laughs> well, we've done this before, Taylor. We've, we, I, I think we've, I've talked to you on small talk. You and I, Michelle oh, yeah. Smallman, go way back. I know this, this, is the perfect, this is the perfect situation for you. So we've got a lot to get into here. Why don't we start with this? You know, I, I texted Paul last week. I'm like, we got to get Taylor on to talk about this messy stuff. He's like, all yeah. right, let's do, the, let's do the Champions League final first. And then next week, we could do like a bigger deep dive because there is so much. And there was so much that hadn't really unfolded yet. We didn't even know a lot of answers to the questions and we still don't really know. But my first yeah. one is like, this has obviously been a saga. People have said, hey, Messi wants to go to MLS. He doesn't want to go to MLS. It's been over a year probably of this back and forth thing. How, 
I guess, how confident were you? Like, when did you know? Like, did you have people telling you, hey, I think this is actually going to happen. He's, he's going to leave PSG at the end of his contract. Or were you kind of just as surprised as the rest of us? Surprised that he did it after Saudi Arabia and the government and all of that. Once you offer $1.6 net <laughs> over three years, Paul, Steve, like once I heard that number, I was like, ah. Oh. Man, that's a lot of dough. Now, I knew the stipulation, and nobody's talking about this, but the stipulation for Saudi Arabia and that money was he had to back the 2030 World Cup bid for uh-huh. Saudi Arabia. And that's up against Argentina, Uruguay, and maybe Chile's part of that, right? The Centennial mm-hmm. World Cup. So I, I didn't think he would do that. So naturally, I felt like the heartstrings were always going to pull against Saudi Arabia because of that. But the first offer was $400 million for 12 months. Steve Paul, I thought he was going to take it. And then I thought he would come here right after when Copa America would end. 2024, he's in the United States. Now he's got two years leading into the World Cup. I always thought, and Paul can back me on this, Steve, I always thought Messi was going to be here. Did yes. I think he would come less than seven months after winning a World Cup? Absolutely 100% not. Because of the Saudi Arabia deal, the way Barcelona ended, I think he wanted six months to then send that off and sign that off the right way. But the way Barcelona treated him, the way the presidents there treated him, I think that became less and less. But Steve, nobody was telling me they were 100% confident. I just knew when David Beckham announced that Miami was done and Messi put out a, a video saying, maybe I'll win you a medal someday. <laughs> or whatever the message was, uh-huh. I knew that conversation was already had. I just didn't think it would be seven months after winning the World Cup final. Yeah, so I mean, where do you think, what's next? What's the next step? Because obviously Messi is here. What's the next step for, you know, whether it's Miami, whether it's MLS on the whole, I think kind of the Miami question is what's most interesting to me because, you know, pretty much anybody Messi has played with has been rumored to come here. <laughs> what do you think the next thing is here for Messi yeah. and Miami? Well, that's the interesting, right, right Paul? Like, Everyone's been rumored. The moment Miami played their first game in MLS, it was against LAFC. Everyone else became a rumor. Mm-hmm. And so rumors have always been the case for Inter-Miami. They just haven't really gone it. Now, Gonzalo Higuain is no like chump change name, by the way. They went right. out and did that. Blaze Matweedy, they went out and did that. And so when you look at those and you say, oh, okay. Now, Higuain panned out the last six months of that deal. Matweedy never did. Then they got in trouble. So now they're behind the eight ball trying to sign players. And in that process of trying to rectify your team, Phil Neville takes them to the, to the playoffs, which nobody thought they would. They sign Lionel Messi, the greatest player arguably ever, with six months left on the penalty. They got him coming this summer. There's a lot to be happening. The contract hasn't been signed yet. Now, right. the Apple documentary, that's been agreed to. Now the rumors in the story has come out. Apple and Messi, sorry, Apple was contacted by Messi in their camp. So that wasn't Amazon. That wasn't any other entity. They wanted Apple. So you knew that marriage was going to be natural. He's already an Adidas athlete. He's already an Adidas brand for the rest of his life. They've got a, what is it? Now they're going to be in their 16th, 17th year with MLS with another eight years left on that deal. That was a natural marriage. So. The symmetry, the synergy, I should say, for the, for lack of a better word, with all the entities around him was there. Mm-hmm. But here's the story, Paul, that I keep telling everyone, and everyone thinks I'm I'm out of my mind to even compare it. 
But Messi's camp, I'm not saying Messi, but Messi's camp kept asking the question over the last two years, I would say, on how do they become the next Michael Jordan? And the only way to do that was to be in the United States. In the moment the World Cup was going to be hosted and held in the United States with Mexico in Canada, and then the rumor came out with Copa America in 2024, you're talking about four to five years where Messi can dominate this. Cristiano Ronaldo says he's going to Saudi Arabia. So there is this real goal is for lack of a, for an easier way to understand, I would say energy from Messi and his camp to be the next Michael Jordan, to be the brand that when he's 50, 60, 70, the Messi brand is over jerseys, either in Major League Soccer, which by the way, don't be shocked if Messi's brand goes from here to 10 other levels playing in the United States in Adidas uniforms, with Adidas being here in a market that still is as untapped as any. Don't be shocked if Messi now becomes the next Michael Jordan, whatever it is. To answer your question, Paul, they got to get the contract signed, and then Messi's got to decide, do you want to play in League's Cup opening game July 21st (laughs) against Cruz Azul, or do you say now is the time I give myself an extra three or four weeks? This team cannot go out and sign a bunch of players. I am going to be ready for January 1st, 2024, to take this thing to the next level. I'm going to come here. I'm going to get used to it. I'm going to see what it's like. I can help. They can bring in a manager. More than likely, that's going to be Tata Martino. If it's not Tata Martino, don't be shocked if it's Dome Torrent, who was at Barcelona when Messi was there. So there's a lot of things that have to happen, but it doesn't matter because the big one, the big fish, Miami got. Now they've got to get their ducks in a row. But my God, there's a circus coming to Fort Lauderdale, and I don't think anyone knows what kind of circus it's going to be. No, it's a it's a great point that you bring up about the Saudi Arabia thing because obviously, like 1.6 billion dollars is you know for guys oh like you God. and I. I mean, not maybe not you, Taylor, but guys like Paul and I, we're just like <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're like, oh, I, how could you possibly pass that up? But you're right, like you know, Ronaldo has kind of disappeared. I mean, certainly from from my, uh, I mean, I see like, you know, I'll see him on Twitter and like, I, there are still like plenty of accounts yep. that still try to use his likeness for for likes and retweets and whatever. And it's just kind of lame. But, you know, and obviously we live in the States, so it's easy for us to say this, but like Messi's not going to disappear here. And you're right. The untapped market thing is really interesting. Um, I, I don't know. Like, so I was at, I was looking, I was going back in like my Facebook pictures to see what year it was. It was 2007. I was at Giant Stadium for David Beckham's first game. Uh, against the Red Bulls mm-hmm. when he was playing for LA Galaxy. I was barely even into soccer then, Taylor. Like I, I, and yep. I've told this on the pod before. Like My introduction to soccer was the 2006 World Cup. Italy, Francesco Totti. I'm a Roma fan. Like That's kind of oh, yeah. how I was born. So that was the next year. And I'm like, all right, like Beckham's coming. Like I didn't. I thought he was the biggest guy in the world. He kind of wasn't. This is literally the biggest star in the world, really, you could argue. So oh. I know, I've, I've seen people, I've seen you tweet about this, comparing it to like the Beckham thing and then even Pele going back to you know the Cosmos thing. Yeah. Like what what do you think what do you think this does for the league? I mean, obviously the Steve, eyeballs Steve, it's will bigger increase. than those two combined. How so? Like, what do you think what do you think the two. ceiling is for this then? See, so so Beckham brought TMZ. And listen, the, the truth of the matter is when the story of Major League Soccer is told 40, 50 years down the road, Steve, if Beckham doesn't come, Messi doesn't come. And and I don't find it ironic that Messi Messi's gonna play for Beckham's mm-hmm. team. I, I just find that so ironic the way this league blossomed and changed when David Beckham came here. This past weekend, you guys are talking to me now in the middle of June. I did Toronto, Nashville in Toronto. Toronto came into Major League Soccer in in 2007. And I walked out of the tunnel 
out of the locker room, onto that field. And I remember looking around and also looking at my teammates after the game and saying, the league's changed. And here's why. That was all soccer families. Toronto came. It was young professionals that were drinking alcohol, that wanted to throw a party. That was a soccer atmosphere. It was cosmopolitan. It was foreign. It wasn't the ugly stepchild of the NFL. You weren't playing in an NFL stadium, Steve. The league changed, and everyone wants to credit Seattle, Portland. I get that. And then Atlanta, and then Nashville, and Cincinnati. But Toronto came into the league, and David Beckham came that summer. And that's when I knew this league was going to be different. Because when David Beckham in Toronto came in in 2007, Steve, owners then realized, we we can't afford and we don't want that to be 25 miles outside of downtown. Mm -hmm. How many stadiums now are in the cities? How many infrastructures and climates of the atmospheres of these cities and these teams are built within the fabric of the city? That changed it. Steve, it's young professionals like yourself that were going to Giant Stadium, that were all of a sudden spending money. It is no longer mom and dad's bringing their kids to game at the halftimes of other games, double headers, where you're trying to sell tickets. Steve, this this thing made a turn with Beckham. Lionel Messi coming here, Beckham came here with none of those soccer-specific stadiums. There was 13 teams in the league. There was none of this. Messi's coming on the heels with Copa America in 2024, which is easily the best continental championship in the world. Anyone that says European championship, I'll argue that. Secondly, the World Cup comes two years later. And then you've got the greatest player in the world. And by the way, he's not done. He just had 20 plus goals, 20 assists. That's the thing. He's the only player in the, I mean, Steve, he's the only player in Europe in the top five leagues that did that and won a World Cup. He's still going to be playing at a higher level. He wants to play in the World Cup in 26. He wants to play in Copa America, which is why he's in the United States. His travels cut down by 75% of just coming MLS, which is something nobody's talked about of why he doesn't want to play in Saudi Arabia versus here. He doesn't have to travel now. Mark my words, Argentina is going to play every friendly that they have a chance to play. It's going to be in the United States. It is. They're going to tap into this market. So it's just different. Beckham brought TMZ. He brought that aspect. He brought notoriety because he was the biggest name in the game. And anyone that argues with me, go back to 07, and you tell me David Beckham didn't transcend soccer. He absolutely did. He was People Magazine. He was all of that stuff, right? Because of who he was off the field, he brought those eyeballs. Now Messi's just bringing everybody. And he's bringing everyone into a TV deal, a media deal, where Apple TV is the only partner in the media world that has one deal for one league in 107 countries. That's the other part to this, Steve. I don't know how to quantify that. I don't know how to quantify that because you're going to literally have no blackouts, no rules. You see the game. You want Messi. You go to Apple TV. Doesn't matter what country you're in. If you're in one of the 107 countries, guess what, dude? You get all the Messi you want. Man, that's hard to quantify. I I, I don't know how to quantify that. Um, I want to go back to, though, Paul's kind of question about what they can do with this roster because you know we mm-hmm. they're in last in the East, right? And I think yep. a lot of people have made that. And this is like one of those fun hypotheticals too, where I remember back in the day, everybody'd be like, "Hey, LeBron, you know what? What if we put LeBron on the worst team in the NBA? Would they make the playoffs?" Is that kind of the situation? Like, tell us, <laughs> you know, for for those for the, for everyone who's not like you know locked into MLS, like you know you'd mentioned them. They're you know obviously they're they've 
made the playoffs last year. Um, but they're still yes. like a relatively new team. They're still trying to fit it. It feels like they've had some high profile flops, as you mentioned with Matuidi. What is their flexibility like? Is this year kind of a wash? Do they have to wait until next year to bring to because Suarez has talked about wanting to play for, you know, play with him again, mm-hmm. to play with Messi again. They've talked about Neymar, Di Maria's been thrown out there, but like they really can't bring these guys in. So what is what like this summer and going forward into the like the end of the year towards October and the playoffs, like what is What's kind of the ceiling for this team? What can they really realistically do with him just adding Messi? It's a great question. So I'm going to answer it. The, you're asking me for my expert opinion. This is a wash. And I, I'm not saying you don't watch it. I'm not saying you don't enjoy it. Because I feel it out This here. is a wash. I will not analyze or assess this team in 2023. I can't. They are penalized the worst of any team in MLS history. And on top of that penalty of not being able to sign players, not having money to sign players and do certain things where Messi's a free agent. Because mind you guys, if Messi wasn't free, Inter-Miami wouldn't have him right now. Mm -hmm. But because he was free, they could bring him in, but they can't go out and fill a roster and and build a team around him. And so it is idiotic for me, knowing that, assessing that, they're missing their two best midfielders who helped them make the playoffs in Gregory and Mota. Those two are not available. Gregory may be available from this time of taping the podcast eight weeks from now, that may be too late. So I'm not going to assess them. However, I think this is more important, Steve. If Jorge Mas, the owner, and his family say to Lionel Messi in his camp, listen, this is almost impossible. And Messi will sit there and say, no, we we can do it. Nine teams make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. We're going to make it. But even if they don't, it is so important that they let it go. Just let it free. Let him be who he is. Have him and the team get used to it. Have him get used to the travel. Have him get used to the time zones. It's a different kettle of fish for him. And just let it be. And then see, and then January 1, 2024, when you get all that money back, you get the the ability to go out and sign players. You can then see your roster with Messi on it and say, this is what we need. I'd be shocked if Busquets isn't here this summer. He's free. Now, Suarez, I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. His (laughs) knee is done. His knee's been done for about 18 months. Everyone knows it. Any team that does a physical on it, they all shy away from giving him a contract longer than six months. I wouldn't touch him. Now, if Suarez wants to come for six months and you don't have to pay in an arm and a leg because he's free, it's fine. Di Maria, I'm looking at. Because I think Busquets, as great of a player as Busquets is in the profile, Paul knows this. Steve, this is different, man. You're playing in 95-degree weather in Houston, in Austin, in Dallas, in St. Louis. You're doing – it's traveling at minimum because you're in Miami. What happens when you go travel and play Seattle? Oh, that seven-hour flight? You've never done that in Europe. So, like, these are going to be things that Busquets is going to go, whoa. So they need to figure out what they have. What do they do with Joseph Martinez? As great of a player as he was at the end of this season, I'm not sure I'm keeping him because he doesn't look like that. So you got to build the team around Messi so Messi can be Messi. Steve, I think it's very doable. I just don't think it's doable now because of the penalties that they have, the injuries they have. But I would use 2023 and I wouldn't wash it. I would make sure he does all the trips, sees what it is, offers you know constructive criticism on how to go about it. But I would also not be shy to say, guess what? We're not giving you all your friends because you want Luis Suarez, who's 38, on one leg. No, let me get you a better option that can run for days and still score goals. 
that's where this thing's going to get really interesting. That what also is interesting too is like the league and Paul and I've kind of talked about this. The league trended from like when you know the post Beckham era yes. was like bring in the retirement guy, right, and just kind of like you know get to sell some tickets and sell some jerseys. Everybody's happy. To now like the teams that have success are the teams that develop youth that sign players from young players from South America. It's not really the hey let's just bring in an, no. all, an old in a retirement all star team. And that's kind of what it seems like Inter is doing. Do you are you worried? Would you be worried at all about that though? That like they still need the influx of youth players, players that are still hungry to compete now and prove themselves, as opposed to guys that are just kind of looking to have a good time in South Beach. Which I'm not saying Messi is, but I'm, I think you're right. I think Messi still has plenty in the tank, which is why I was kind of surprised. Oh, totally. That, that I, I just figured he'd want to play in the Champions League for like two or three more years. So this is amazing. But you're talking about bringing all his friends in that might be a little bit over the hill. Like, are you at all worried about that, or do you think that you know this is something that like they'll be able to figure out? I'm not worried about Chris Henderson if he's there because Chris Henderson was in Seattle, was a big part of Seattle and Garth Lagerwey's success. He understands what it takes to win in this league. I am nervous if the ownership group looks at, looks at Messi and gives him keys to, to the truck, to the car, to the bus, to the plane, to the entire thing. Because if you do that, listen, I don't care what anyone says. You don't need to ask me. As Steven Gerrard, as Didier Drogba, as Latan Ibrahimovic, as Robbie Keane, as Thierry Henry, as Tim Cahill, when they all come here six months in, Steve, they look me right in the eye and they go, holy shit, this is different. <laughs> yeah. This is one of the most athletic leagues played at a high pace. It's not the most technical, but it doesn't matter. The game's a thousand miles an hour, so you got to have your legs. And now these players, the names I just mentioned, between the ears that operate at such a high level, if they have anything in the legs, then Steve, they're real quality. Robbie King's still in the argument is the best DP ever. Zlatan came here and scored 50 goals in two years. They didn't win a playoff game. Mm -hmm. They didn't even make the playoffs both years. So like, think about, they won one playoff game, excuse me. But you follow where I'm going, Steve. Like, it's not a, it's not a foregone conclusion. And about four years ago, the owners came together and said, you know what, missed it. Let, let's get rid of the retired player. Yes, the Messi, the Zlatan, the Ronaldo, we're always going to go for those guys. But we're not going for Steven Gerrard anymore or Frank Lampard because it doesn't work. We're going to go for Miguel Amaron and sell him for $30 million. Mm -hmm. Thiago Amada is going to win the World Cup while he's an Atlanta United player, and he's going to go for $40 million. That's better for the longevity of the league. And now Messi being in this league, Steve, every time they go to South America, the answer is going to be yes now. <laughs> no matter if it's in or Miami or you're going to go play in Colorado, that player is going to go, yeah, I'm in. Yep. Because all the eyeballs in the world, and that's the one thing that a lot of people are not talking about, is how many eyeballs are going to be on players that should have eyeballs on them, but they still don't have them. Guys, you're going to see you're going to see more players sold. You're going to see more players come to the league, all because more people are watching. Because Lionel Messi said, "Yeah, before my last World Cup, I'm going to play in the United States." All right. Before we move on to some U.S. stuff. Is there anything that we are missing? Like, what is there like a big prediction or like something that we didn't ask you about that that we need to know about this messy situation? Or do we pretty much cover it all? Because I, I just want to make sure for people that are kind of like jumping in <laughs> now, they're like, hey, like, I just want to soak up all this information. I, I don't yeah, know. If I mean, listen, I, I got one for you. I'll be shocked in seven months if Cristiano Ronaldo is not trying to leave Saudi Arabia to go play in Kansas. Oh, City. he's going to be a follower. Uh -oh. oh, baby. <laughs> yep. Because well, because they because the, he's going to get as jealous as anyone when he sees the stardom of Messi in this country blossom to where it is. Even it, he was he was lit, guys. He listened and called Sporting Kansas City back and took three meetings with Sporting Kansas City. 
before going to Saudi Arabia. Messi comes here, plays four months. I promise you this, it would not surprise me one iota if you guys and I are having another podcast and we're like, Ronaldo in Kansas City? Huh. Paul's uh, Paul season I, I got tickets were going to skyrocket. Yeah. yeah, I got a spare bedroom <laughs> if he needs it. I don't know if that's going to sweeten the deal enough, but it's there for him. Um, all right, so let's transition to the U.S. national team here. Yep. Nations League, Gold Cup, rosters are out for both. Kind of big picture. You see the way that they're attacking this you know, month, month and a half of you know, kind of two tournaments. What do you think of the way the U.S. is going at this? Man, then Paul, that's a load of... So let, let, <laughs> let, it's a load of question. Let's start with the rosters. The most difficult part for the United States over the next three years is the ability to have a complete roster together for competitive games because mm-hmm. there's no World Cup qualifying. So I am a little surprised about the Gold Cup roster. I understand they did this previously. I get it. I understand the European players. They need a break after a long year. If you're going to take it, better to take it now. However, the United States men's national team is in a real predicament. There's no World Cup qualifying. And so every time they get together, it's got to be treated as if it's qualifying. And so I am a little surprised that the Gold Cup roster is not filled with more Nations League players. And I understand that after the group stage, you can call some players in if you need to. I understand all the rules. So anyone listening to this that thinks I don't understand the rules, I listen, I lived it. I get it. It's surprising to me on that. The manager part is a real topic of conversation, Paul and Steve. And, yep. and I've been on many a podcast, and I'm still talking. I I want you to shoot for the moon, and I want you to talk to everybody. I'm under the understanding, or the impression, I should say, that July 1st, 2023, was going to be the best time to have said conversations. Now, those have started a little bit sooner because the club situations would then open up and you could see who is available. But if you're not talking to Ancelotti, if you're not talking to Thierry Henry, if you're not talking to Patrick Vieira, if you're not talking to Julian Nagelsmann, if you're not talking to everybody, then, then then what's the point? Because if you're doing what you're doing now, the same way you did in 2018, just to save a buck, then you can miss me with that. You will never get me to buy into that because this is the most important World Cup with arguably the best generation of players that you've ever had because you've told me that a million times and yet you want to skip a summer because you want to save a dollar the way you did with Dave Sarakin and Greg Berhalter in 2018? Paul, Steve, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out of that. You're hosting the World Cup. This is your moment with the quote-unquote golden generation of player and you think these two... So like if you already know it's Jesse Marsh or it's Greg Berhalter, then guys, what are we doing? Honestly, what are we doing? (laughs) What possibly are you thinking that you're going to allow two major tournaments, two competitive games in tournaments that you only get, what, four? If you include the World Cup in Mm -hmm. in 26? Paul, then you got to take advantage of it. But the European player, along with some MLS players, guys, like I'm going to give an example, Walker Zimmerman. They're tired legs, Stephen Paul. Mm. And so this is uncharted territory for a lot of people, including myself. So I get when a Walker Zimmerman who looks at the last 18 months and looks at me and goes, Taylor, I haven't had a break because I've been grinding World Cup qualifying. The the MLS season ends. I'm still with the national team. That's where I understand maybe the Weston McKinney's, obviously Tyler Adams got a serious injury, but the Pulisic's 
and a lot of these guys with no real solidified club situations, I kind of get why they're taking off Gold Cup. But Paul, I, I think it's risky. I think it's risky because the World yeah. Cup's three summers from now. Yep. Is just talking on the coach, is there anything, you know, we don't have to get into like specific names, but are there characteristics, the things you want to see out of this guy that, look, we need to find somebody who does X because that's super important over the next three years. Something you're looking for and whoever they go after? I'm not, I'm going to use Jose Mourinho as an example. Okay. And the reason why I would really look at him and talk to him and see if he's interested because he has thrown a few crumbs out there to say he is. <laughs> the reason why oh I, here's something in the profile that I want, I think for this World Cup, and this is going to surprise a lot of people. I want someone to take the attention away from the players. I do. And I want someone that kind of trans. <laughs> if, if I'm looking at the marketing side of things and the guy that's at the press conferences and all that, I want someone that's been there and done that. I want someone that fully understands if he or she takes the pressure off of the players in this moment with this generation and puts it all on themselves, I'm going to listen. I'm in. Jose Mourinho, Ancelotti, right? I think Patrick Vieira is another one. You know, like guys that have, as a player or as a manager, at the highest of levels, understands that if they are that face, then the politics of the world, the Giovanni Reynas of the world, and all the baby games that we've seen over the last eight months with the U.S. men's national team, and all gone to the wayside because now you've got that strong personality and one that takes the attention away. Paul, I would seriously consider that. Now, obviously, anyone listening is going to say, so coaching doesn't matter. No, I'm, of course I'm saying tactics and, and player management. All that's part of the equation. But if I'm sitting here with option A and option B, and one of them's way more media savvy and more brash and a little bit more outspoken, to actually bring more attention to themselves versus the team, I'm listening to that. Yeah. No, Klinsman turned it into kind of a PR job. And Burhalter was very good at the PR side of talking soccer and explaining things. And yeah, this this next one, it's going to be even more so because of the buildup the next three years to the World Cup. That it's such yeah, a good point. It, uh, well, but those two, those two are interesting co- comparisons, though, because that's not what I'm talking about. Greg Burhalter mm-hmm. didn't take the attention. Greg Berhalter is no, no. the only reason why we're still talking about Giovanni Reina. That's a fact, <laughs> not opinion. The players weren't talking about it. The players yeah. were not talking about that. The players handled that situation, and he brought it back up post. That's a fact. That's not even an opinion, okay? Now, Jurgen Klinsmann made it all about different things and all that. <laughs> but when it came to the group of death, they got out of it. Mm-hmm. They got out of that group. Yeah. Whether he took Landon or not, that's a different debate. <laughs> they got out of it. So, so so that's all I'm saying. Yeah, It's going to be very interesting for me. Now, this is a different World Cup, right? Because there's 48 teams. So you should get out of your group. What's the level of expectation? If it's 48 teams, the round of 16 is 100% not good enough and not a success, right? So that determines a lot. I just think it's an interesting question because yeah. I do think the ability to take the attention away from the players and take some of the pressure off of those players Steve, I just think that's an interesting way to look about this because this player you and I have talked about a lot. This generation of players got a lot of expectations on them from the SEC college football fan that watches every four years that knows nothing about it, but they think, oh, Pulisic plays at Chelsea. Now we can win the World Cup. I mean, someone called him the LeBron James of soccer. Yep. Yep, this is a tough one. Not a great, not the best, uh, not the best description of all time. A little bit better than the guy who asked if the Chicago Fire could win the World Cup. But you know, that's there, amazing. There I can't wait for. <laughs> I can't wait 
for Messi's first press conference. I can't. Uh, yeah, it's going to be chaos. I still have more. I still first off, it's an incredible point by you, and I hadn't thought. I mean, I'm I'm all aboard the Jose Mourinho train because one, I just think tactically it makes sense because what he wins mm-hmm. in knockout tournaments, and you know, I I think you know what, what we need like a, a solid defensive base that that would just wins tournaments period and then the attacking i think will come there i think we have guys that could play on the counter it'll be fine but you're right to take the pressure off of these guys because 2026 is going to be insane you're right all these random oh. fans are going to come out of the woodwork and if they don't that's why i was so happy that they at least they made it out of the group they they had a they had a good run against the uh, against the netherlands they didn't obviously we could have loved to have gone further but that's like the bare minimum where i'm like okay i'm intrigued like the neutral is intrigued by that it's not a letdown so 2026 to me obviously the the expectations are heightened my question, though, for you is, is the, how good of a job is the U.S. job? Like, from a, like obviously, we're U.S. fans. You obviously play for the team. Like, is it, you know, we, we th- like to think, oh, why wouldn't anybody, why wouldn't Jose, why wouldn't Pep, why wouldn't Vieira want this job? But are we, I don't, is, there's a lot of pressure that comes with this. Is Jose, Vieira, I mean, obviously, Jesse Marsh seems like he wants it. So, I guess we'll see where it goes. But how good of a job do you think this U.S. job is in the next, like, three to four years? That's a real good question because honestly, I've heard many different things on the amount of resources that are be, that are being given to these candidates. And so, Steve, I don't know. Anytime you're the host nation, that job's very desirable, very desirable. You know why? Because usually said host federation is all in. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm hearing when it comes to resources and whatnot. Now, for the record, and I want to make this abundantly clear, that's not since the new, well, I don't know what Matt Croker's title is. What is it? Technical director, sporting director, whatever it yeah. may be. Paul, Paul, what is it? Sporting director of soccer stuff. Something yeah, like that. right. So, th- so, so that was before that. And Matt may have come in because he's been there and seen some things and been like, guys, no, this needs to be there. That needs to be there. So I want to make that abundantly clear, right? Sport, sporting director in, is the official title. Yeah, yes. Sporting director, right? So so since the sporting director, Matt, comes in, I, that Steve, I don't know, but it's a host nation. It's the United States of America. And quite honestly, I think it's very desirable because the level of success is lower than any other country. That's a fact. You're not coming into a host nation like Brazil and expected to win or Germany or France, right? So a quarterfinal appearance could be remarkable when you're playing at in at Atlanta or in Dallas in a quarterfinal for a World Cup. That's a success for the United States of America. That's a fact. So when you look at, into that, I think of Jose Mourinho. I think of Patrick Vieira. I know for a fact Vieira would love the job. I know that. I know he would really, let me say this, would be really, really interested in the project because he's looked me in the eye a thousand times saying this player and the profile of player in the United States of America, and this was in 2019, is there. It's not there to win, but it's not there to be where they were. And when he consistently said it to me and said, with enough time, these players can achieve really big things because he said the American player is different. Steve, that's someone that's been over there, that's lived it, that's done it, that's come here and seen it, and had spent many a times and many an hours watching the youth and watching the players play. When you hear that, you're like, huh, Jose Mourinho, when he was been, he's been in New England and in Boston, and I've taken him around to see fields and spent many hours just talking to him, listening to him. Highly, highly positive about the American player. Times have changed, Steve. That was never the case 10 years ago. In 15, 20 years ago, 
when this knucklehead was playing, there was nowhere near that was in the conversation. <laughs> so the point being is that the profile of players got everyone excited. The host nations got everyone excited. And then here we are in June. You guys are talking to me. I find it interesting that no one's been hired. And I'm defending if you want to talk to everybody. And you want to talk to the biggest names. And you needed to wait for the club season to end. But there is zero chance you're going to convince me if you hire Jesse Marsh, Greg Berhalter, and even Patrick Vieira to a certain extent. Because those three have been available. Those three, those three. Yeah, have that been means you've jobs. been turned down by everybody that you, the pie in the sky guys, right? If you, if you, yeah, or, or you just waited time because you wanted to save money. Mm-hmm. No, no. So, so Steve, it's a desirable position. However, I think there is a couple caution points there because here we are in June, and we still haven't really heard it. You guys are talking to me the same day that the rumor comes out that Steve Terundolo took an interview mm-hmm. with U.S. Soccer. Now, informal or formal great steve's done a fantastic job but i'm not sure steve would even be on this podcast and go you know what i'm not totally sure i'm ready for that you know what i mean so like that that's what i'm getting at like it's going to be very interesting when they announce this candidate when us three text each other and go wait a minute he wasn't available (laughs) yeah (laughs) for nations league or gold cup huh that's interesting all right a couple quick hitter really quick unless you had something paul but I, i wanted to ask just a couple quick hitters here what advice would you give to Christian Pulisic this summer? Yeah, I'm sure you've talked to him. I'm sure maybe you've given them this advice, but you know, club futures kind of up in the air. I think everyone gets excited. I think a lot of the people that, especially like me, I've been following for like a decade, decade and a half. I'm like, well, it's cool. I want to see all the U.S. players play for these big clubs. But now I'm more like, no, I just want to see them play. Actually, I want to see them play week in and week out. Um, so is that what you would say? I mean, there's been a lot of rumors, Italy, wherever. You know, it's kind of weird because the transfer fee, I mean, be, being American, they probably want more money because people think they can market him in a different way than they can other players. And it's almost like, uh, to, to your point earlier about like the Jose's and all these managers kind of coming around on U.S. players and saying, hey, these guys are actually awesome. It's almost like, remember like 10, 15 years ago in the NBA when all the Euro prospects yes. were like soft? Yes, and na- it's, it's identical. And, and, and now, Steve, it's identical. And now we've got Jokic, Giannis, MB, like all these guys that are that are international players that are the face of the league. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying like you know we're gonna have a ball and door winner from the U.S. anytime soon, but no, does, but so Rudy, you're the tide 100% has right. Changed. Look at the number one draft pick this year. It was yeah. a, it was a foregone conclusion where honestly, 15 years ago, and I don't care what Tim Legler or Jay Billis or any of these analysts tell me that he was a, a 100% the number one guys. 15 years ago, there would have been a debate. People are there would have been debate about a guy coming out of Duke, about coming out of North Carolina, or something of the sorts. So not, no, now it's European based player comes into it, and Jokic is easily the best player in the NBA right now. I don't care anyone that argues with me on that. So it's open dice. I'm not saying the U.S. player is going to do that, as you just rightfully said. If Christian looks me in the eye right now, I'm saying, you need to play. You need to play as many games as possible, as frequently as possible, in a position that you want to play in and that the United States wants you to play in. Because when 26 comes around, it is going to, it's not going to, no one's going to give two shits. If you played at Chelsea, Newcastle, Juventus or a mid-table team in Germany, if you have eight goals, eight assists every single year, playing consistently and being the linchpin of a formidable attacking team, Christian, no one's going to care. It's not going to matter. You're still going to be making a ton of money, and yet you need to be at your best, at the highest of your point of your career, when you are representing and captaining the U.S. men's national team of the World Cup in your backyard, so honestly, listen to not what the brain wants, but what the heart wants, because your heart wants to play and you need to have fun again. And you didn't do that at Chelsea. 
That's literally what I would say. Because I look at Newcastle, Sarudi, and, and Paul. If they call him, that is perfect team for him. Now, Juventus is interesting, right? Because Italy is a little bit more of a tactical league. I think Italy would be it's great. Not played at a, it's not at a high pace, but they're a dominant team in the sense that they like to attack. He would be a part of that. They haven't been as dominant this year as in years past. So it's going to be interesting to see where that turns out. I'm interested in Juventus, but I'll tell you right now, Newcastle calls that team and that tactical setup lines up perfectly with Christian Pulisic. He needs to really think about that versus going to the big name club. If he's going to be a part-time player there. I I was going to, yeah, just going to wrap up one on the field question for the U S there's no Tyler Adams in this team. There's no Kellen Acosta in this team. So there's, there's no natural proven number six. What do you do in the midfield with your six, eight, ten? You know, however you want to set that up. What do you What are you thinking in the midfield? What do you, What would you do, or what the, would the U.S. do uh, for these couple for Nations League specifically? Nations League's interesting because you're playing against Mexico, right? right. So, it, it, I mean, listen, I'm a massive fan of Eunice, massive fan, mm-hmm. right? Not a great second half of the year after the World Cup for him, right? So, I, I, Paul, honestly, I look at it, I, it's. I've been of the mindset if Tyler Adams is hurt, this team's going to struggle. I would be very interested to see a more technical player in that position. And if you couple him with another busy player, De La Torre is an interesting prospect. Every time he plays, there's a progression of pass, possession, attacking. He's different. Yet, if I'm not mistaken, I think he played in the Japan game. You guys need to look this up. The last one we did at ESPN struggled because the game was too high high pace for him he was under pressure a lot but that was with Tyler so I don't know like I, I just Paul I don't know I haven't fully thought about it other than the sense without Tyler they're going to struggle in the new system depending on who the manager is so why not test this with maybe saying if we get more of a deep line playmaker in that spot does that change us does Giovanni Reina play through the middle because of this Right. So now you get that kind of those kinds of ideas. But it wouldn't surprise me if Musa can play that position, Paul and Saruti. Yeah. It really yeah. wouldn't. Yeah. Delatori did play against Japan when the U.S. looked terribly strong. And that, and that was a, that was a bad day. Yes. Right. It was a bad it was a bad day that game for a lot of players. I'm not pinpointing him. Right. Right. But I was curious because the game was high paced. It was it, it was a lot of 50 50 balls had to think quickly. He didn't get on the ball a ton. Did he have any kind of impact defensively? Not really. But then again, the United States didn't. So it's less about De La Torre. But you need to get answers. Saruti mm-hmm. and Paul, the one thing that really bothers me about this is when you do play these friendlies in these games three years from the World Cup, the only way, if you have any questions in your mind, to get answers is to actually do it. So like when anyone analyzes friendlies, these competitions, and say, well, I can't believe you did that. But what, if it's really bad, then you know the answer. Right. Like, that's not a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you get really bad something in 30 minutes, 45 minutes, you know, you know what? We're not going to do that again. That is a successful project to get that answer. I'm not saying at the World Cup, but I'm saying before the World Cup. So no Tyler Adams. Give me something different. Weston McKenney's interesting one. He's not a six, Paul and Steve. He's not. Although not, he did a lot of defending at Leeds, though I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. You no, but no, but we laugh. But you took you took it. What what if all of a sudden something clicked there? Maybe. Defending yeah. for ninety yeah. for eighty nine of the ninety minutes, 
for his life. What if something clicked in his positioning and awareness is a little bit better? Then maybe you do have a double pivot with him and Eunice that you don't get with Tyler and Gio plays through the middle. I like the prospect of Gio through the middle. Always have. Because it means he gets on the ball more. He's the one player on the team, and this includes Pulisic, that has the eye differently. He's eerily similar to his dad, where the final pass is different. It's between the lines. It's the ability through the middle he can combine. I would love to see Gio through the middle. I really would. I think a lot of people said that during the World Cup. And you're right. You're not going to test that out <laughs> during the World Cup. Hey. But, <laughs> but you know, I it, we didn't even get to talk about Balogun. But I, I would argue that I mean, we've had this conversation, Oof. Paul and I, about whether or not Gio is, like, actually the most talented U.S. player, the, the, the highest ceiling guy that the U.S. I'm has nervous. to offer. Yes. And listen, I'm going to give you something real quick on Balogun. It's been one year, guys. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope for him and his sake. That I, I hope he lights the world on fire and scores a ton of goals. But if he has any kind of struggle, the amount of Twitter and Instagram stories and conversations and comments that the United States just somehow signed Cristiano Ronaldo from Benfica <laughs> to then come, holy crap. We act like this is the first time the U.S. has ever had a player to score that many goals in a top five league in the world. And you guys can do your research on that. But I'm going to tell you right now, there has been a couple dual nationals that have done that before. And are we talking about them now? No. So that's why this thing, I think Balogun's going to be great. I think it's going to be very good. Do I think they just signed Zlatan from Ajax or Cristiano Ronaldo from Benfica? Holy shit, no. The answer is no, they did not. And I hope for his sake, for his mental health, that he lights the world on fire and runs with it. Because if there's any kind of struggle, dear Lord, what are the people going to say? Because what they're saying now is delusional. Don't yeah. run on our parade yet, Taylor. Come on. It hasn't even started. Yet. Get out of here. Dude, I was in the hype video. <laughs> I said I was part I was in the first part of the hype video to get his ass to the United States. I, I won him. I'm just saying. But what happens? You two know exactly oh, yeah. what I'm talking about. What happens in the first game when Sargent is starting? <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Be great. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be great one way or the other. The banter is going to be phenomenal. People are, oh, people are going to lose their minds, which is what we're here for. I just, I hope he scores a ton of goals because I think it makes the U.S. exponentially better because yep. they finally have a piece that make the other four attacking spots better because they've got a guy that's a threat through the middle. Yeah. Yep. What's that? Wait, answer the trip. What's your trivia question then? Who's the? Give us the other guys. Top five. But, uh, Paul, did, Paul's here. Come Paul on, is our Paul is our technical it. guy because I mean it's, it's like Pepe US... was dropping goals left and right Do... in the in the Eredivisie. Yep. That's that's I mean. I don't it's want to say top it, but, five league. but everybody scores jo- in that league. Josie yeah. was. Josie did that. Michael Bradley did Michael that. Michael Bradley had a ton in uh, Holland yep. and, um, and Germany, but a few. All right. yeah, no one, no one air, scored air, 20. No U.S. international scored yeah, 20 in the that, top yeah. five league. No U.S. international, but that's not what I said. I didn't score 20. However, I did say 15, if I'm not, or 10 plus goals in a top five league, and I can give you two names right away. I mean, Dempsey you're going to look it up, Paul, and you're going to text Dempsey it. did it with Tottenham. Uh, no one did it in Germany because Ronaldo's nine were the most... In league Ronaldo's play. nine was the most. Yep. Did a Roy Weggerly do it? Uh, he didn't get the double digits. I think he had 13 total. Uh, I think it's I think Dempsey is the, the only one. Dempsey was definitely the first one to get 10 Premier League goals, and I think nobody else has for the US. Yep. Well, we'll yeah, there's, we'll two, there's two guys because US soccer put it out with the names. We'll put so the, look it up. We'll put the trivia answer probably, on the pod. Now, notes. for the record, <laughs> hold on. For the record, it's probably all competitions, Paul. Yeah, yeah, all competitions change yeah. things. Then, then you probably got 
Paul, Paul, you know, you and I have worked long enough together. It's probably a caveat where you and I were like, oh, yeah, well, of course. My point being, though, he did score 20. Yes, absolutely. But let me ask you two questions before we go. Is the French League any different than the Dutch League? That's the question. That's, That's absolutely the question. I mean, yes, at the top, but obviously you're not playing PSG 38 times a year. So beyond that, Probably not as big That's, a gap as we like to I, I think. I think it's a better defense. I think it's a better defensive league, so it gives him a little bit more status on the goals. Okay, I think the French league is a little bit better than the Dutch league defensively. Yeah, but is it? Are we talking three, four levels higher? I guys, I I don't I'm know. Not that yeah. big. I mm-hmm. no, and so that's why that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And the, and the other part is, if it was this level, Arsenal wouldn't have let him out on loan, and they would have asked him back. Right, he didn't have a great season at Middlesbrough the year before. I think he had three goals in 10 games, something like that. Yeah, and that's the interesting starts. thing, too, is likely but, he's either the backup at Arsenal next year, right, or he's on loan maybe in the Premier League. And you're right, it's not going to be as, as smooth sailing. But Harry Kane took a long time to score goals, too, though. So right. it, it's happened it's before. Play. Harry Kane went on how many loans? I think it was six, seven loans Yeah, Norwich, before Lester. Tottenham yeah. gave him a run. So, you know what I mean? So it happens. I'm not saying this isn't going to happen. I just can't believe we've already anointed the guy. Well, that's like, what we do, like, Taylor. Oh, my. That's what we do. Come on. Welcome like, we, to the show. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. We've already in anointed. Sense. To, did the NBA thing. We've already anointed Wembenyama. We anointed LeBron as the next, as the chosen one. And we, this is what we did. We, 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 we talked about at the start of the pod, Taylor. This Man City team is the best team of all time. Pep's the best coach of all time. This is what we do. We just, Ooh, we get ahead of ourselves. That's what you guys did to start the pod? A little bit. Yeah. We I didn't mean, believe it. We just brought it up. That's what the people were oh, talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. Best team all time? It's not. It's not. No, no, it's not. It's not the best Man City team in the last two years. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. There's no way. <laughs> no. Uh, Is Erling Holland American? I wish he were. He's got to have go- a grandparent somewhere, right? Yeah. Born some grandparent was oh, born in New yeah. York when his parents were on vacation or something. No, he's, he was. Um, he is a hundred percent Viking. So I don't think. I don't know. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, just, I cannot. I, I, I was wish I'd like to find like a long last relative. It just seemed that guy is this Nordic. I mean, his pregame his pregame meals like liver and onions. Yeah. So like he's a hundred percent Viking. No yeah. chance. Yeah. <laughs> he's no Taylor Twelman though. He is no Taylor Twelman in front of goal. Uh, Taylor, you're the man. Appreciate uh, you hopping on. Um, we've given you've given us way too much time. He's the lead analyst for MLS season pass on Apple TV. Um, yeah, we'll have to have you back on. As our, maybe we'll just make this an annual thing. Every year you'll be our one guest on the podcast. Do we have to? Yes, we have to. First off, I love you too. I miss you guys. Uh, it's amazing how all three of us have somehow survived after leaving Bristol, but we're still <laughs> we surviving. Still here. Um, <laughs> Keep it going, and let's let's make this a little bit more regular. We should check in on other stuff too. Why not? Wow. All right. So Taylor, like almost an hour, maybe an hour with Taylor Twelman. I I said to him 20, 30 minutes, and here we go. But honestly, that wasn't even our fault, Paul. He he just he just brings it. This is why like Twelman is, is the best guy. He also gave us a "What are we doing?" Part two. I think uh, in the middle there. I'm so well. happy. So, so happy. We'll have to clip that off and, and maybe make that go viral again. But uh, that's why Taylor's the best man. I'm just I was just fascinated by all the the messy stuff because and, and hearing kind of his background on it. And then you know I did, again there were so many other questions. I I mentioned Balogun. He jumped on it too. So. What a what a great interview for our first one. It's good, and uh, this is what it was like. You know, I worked with Taylor for a long time at ESPN. You go to dinner, and that's what it's like. You just kind of wind him up and let him go. Yeah, and you know, he just starts going. Everything's coming out. He's got all these thoughts, opinions that you know, because he's got to speak in these ten second sound bites on TV. Well, now he's got time to just 
you know, try out material or just let things rip and, and get all these things out that it you know, didn't come up in the game or this interview or whatever it was. So yeah, he's, I'm he's flashbacks. Right, he's right though. Like I remember back in the day when I was producing like radio shows with Van Pelt show or Will Kane show or whoever, Ryan, like he can do, he can go beyond soccer too. Like he did sort of trance. Oh, yeah. Like he would host like just regular radio shows talking about right. football, basketball, baseball, music, anything. He's one of the one of the best dudes there is around, uh, yep. and happy for him, and happy for the uh, obviously all the success there at Apple for him. But there are a couple little things that we wanted to get to before we bounce, Paul. Specifically, you mentioned kind of you talked to him a little bit about the midfield, but you wanted to expand upon that as well. Well, I mean, I think that's you know, we, we've talked for a while. At, Tyler Adams is probably the most irreplaceable player in the U.S. lineup, mm-hmm. so he's not there. Kellen Acosta is not there. He was the backup number six. Della Torre could has played there, but it's mostly against your Concacaf Mino type of teams when U.S. has most of the ball, which they probably won't have against Mexico. So it's just really interesting. What are they going to do? And I think they're going to land on kind of what Taylor said. Like, you want your best players on the field. Uh, McKinney Musa in your double eight, double six, whatever you want to call it. Reyna, maybe, up top and top of the triangle. Uh, seems like that's what they played in a friendly, a little behind the closed door scrimmage. The details seem to leak out, and that seems to be what they're playing. So I think that's what you do. You get your best guys on the field. And this is Mexico, but it's not the Mexico that we're used to seeing 10 years ago or something, where they are super dangerous. You know, you look at the guys they're bringing in, it's not the same lethal attacking with speed Mexico team that, you know, we're kind of have in our heads that we've grown up on. So I think maybe you can get away with that without a real number six. There's discipline questions from a Will McKinney slash Musa stay where they need to be to keep everything, you know, organized, structured, not give up the break, things like that. But I think that's probably what you got to do if you're the U.S. Just get your best guys out there and let them cook. Yeah, I, I agree. And honestly, maybe maybe it brings more fireworks to the game because the last time I think around it was a it was quite a boring matchup in the qualifiers. So well, McKinney McKinney will bring fireworks. He's he's all in on the fireworks and the hijinks. Yeah, and you know like we're playing guys a little out of position. But I think everybody was I, I briefly mentioned it, but everybody was calling for like the three, those the four two three one with with Geo in the middle to to maximize the amount of attacking players, especially now that we have a striker. Even though Taylor tried to temper our expectations a little bit, we are still excited <laughs> to watch him play. Um, we got a as, striker, and as Shut we should. Up, Taylor. And yeah, like I, I get what he said. He's 100 percent right. Like oh, as yeah. soon as the guy like doesn't score or like misses a sitter, we're gonna be like, this guy's a he's a fraud. I can't believe like you know this is no wonder England <laughs> let him go. And you're just like, all right, all right, can we just let the guy settle? I just don't do that. I know U.S. Oh. men's national team Twitter is incredibly toxic at times. Let's just give the guy a little bit of time to assimilate into the team, and I think we'll be fine. But no, it should yeah. be good. It'll be fun. It'll be a fun summer. Um, and speaking of the summer, as I kind of mentioned at the top of the pod, I think so. This is gonna be our last like regular show of the sort of like international club season, we're still going to come back like, you know, pool tickets, a transfer. If we eventually hire a manager, um, maybe we'll just do like a transfer roundup too. And then we'll obviously be back before the Premier League season for the rest of the other season start to sort of handicap kind of what our thoughts are, what our bets are for the, for the season preview for a couple of leagues. But I mean, it's, it's wild. I was talking to my wife about it, like how little time these guys have off. It's just, it's, it's just kind of nuts, man. But, um, so we'll, we'll be, we'll be in the mix. If anything goes down, we'll be back here on this feed, but, um, but we'll certainly be back in in full. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure because obviously we'll be it'll, it'll be football season coming up at the end of August as well. I got to figure out what exactly our schedule will be, but we will not be going anywhere. So stick around with us again. Um, Paul, I want to thank you for just an awesome season, man. Putting up with me, putting up with my crazy theories, putting up with, I don't know, <laughs> me and talking. To, I, I'll, I'll like always text you with, I got a little nugget on this, or I got a little take on this. No just, trying to, just trying to stir you up a little bit. You keep me grounded, so I appreciate you. And it's been a lot of fun doing this uh, for the for the full season. No, it's good stuff. I appreciate coming on board after the World Cup and look forward to getting a whole season going again here in a few months or a few weeks. Jeez. 
And luckily, I mean, listen, I still might do it, but your boy did finish 26 and 21, six and a half units up. So I, I Ooh, the, 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 bleach, the bleach hair thing might have to wait. I might just do it for fun, but I won't do it because I have to. So I, that's right. an important note to put okay. out there. Maybe because I want to, not because I have to, but nah, man, it's been awesome. I can't wait to do it again uh, next summer. We'll start from zero. So I want to thank, uh, as always, our great producer, Siobhan Anderson as well, who I think we turned into a Manchester yeah. United fan throughout the season as well. Sorry about that, Stefan. Probably. Oh, poor guy. At least you're back in the that's Champions tough. League. That should be exciting for you. But uh you know, appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate everybody whether you follow us, fade us, whatever. All the t- all the texts we get, all the tweets we get, um, all the feedback on whether you know Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We we do really appreciate you listening to this, and um, we'll be back soon enough. So everybody, enjoy their summer. Have a great time. You know, enjoy. I guess you know the the couple weeks without club soccer. We'll be back uh, in in August sometime. So appreciate it, buddy. See you.